Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This summer already feels different now that most of Connecticut's pandemic restrictions have been lifted. Nearly six out of 10 residents have been fully vaccinated against COVID. This moment means many venues are ready to open their doors, to welcome back an audience, to enjoy a concert or theater performance in person. Today, where we live, we focus on theater and find out how local companies have decided to reopen. We also learn how the last year and a half led them to change the way they've operated and engaged with their communities. And we want to hear from you. What did you miss about seeing a theater show? How have you continued to support local theater where you live? Here's the number, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. On Zoom with me now is Tanisha Dugan, artistic producer at TheaterWorks Hartford. Tanisha, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you again. Also with us is Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Jackie, welcome back as well. Thank you, Lucy. It's great to be back. Uh, Now, I spoke to both you and Tanisha last October when theater was paused and there were different ways that uh, theaters were connecting with audiences. But one thing that was similar was that your building was closed and a lot of uncertainty about the virus last October and the continuing impact on the arts. So can you talk a little bit about these last few months as you gear up for this summer Jackie, and what you've been hearing from your community. Well, we've had, we have a great community, a lot of support. And in fact, when we did get the go ahead from equity that we could open, um, you know, our building was looking very sad. She's an old lady. She's, you know, 110 years old and she was showing every wrinkle. So um, I had, I have to do a big shout out right here to the Essex Lions Club who came out and helped us weed and paint and polish and just try and get her looking not so neglected. Um, so we are feeling a lot better. It's like we've had a bit of a facelift and we're feeling like the building is ready now to, uh, to open the doors again. We, um, you know, it was a long time. I think it was the longest period that we had uh, been dark since World War II. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's we're ready and we're opening up next Thursday. So mm. it's going to be it's going to be um, we're all a little anxious. We're all a little nervous mm-hmm. about it. And, um, you know, I, w- I was saying it's sort of like falling off a bicycle or, or at least not riding a bike for a long time and then having to get back on and remember how to pedal without falling off. And I'm sure that we'll all remember once we get back on. It's just that nervousness, you know, mm-hmm. about starting up again. But um, 
but yeah, we're ready to go, and and our community is um is ready for us to be back, uh, because we have we have sold out the first week. We're we're socially distant seating because we had to start selling tickets a couple of months ago when that was still what was required. You know, things change constantly, and we have to. Um, you know, be true to what we told our ticket buyers when they originally bought tickets. So this first show is socially distanced. And because it's uh, union actors, their requirements right now are that everybody wears, all audience members wear a mask. And um, I know that's going to be hard because the state has very different requirements, but uh, we have to do that for this first show. And we have had some you know, a lot of people who were very upset about this. In fact, just this week, I was called a fascist dictator, which was quite interesting. But Wait, because, um, because uh, you, you have to have masks yeah. in the audience, really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I thought yeah. we were over this. Tanisha, let me go to, go to you. What are you hearing from your community? I know Walden will be opening, and this is a different experience. It is. It is a very different experience. You know, um, for us, being back was really about coming back to live performance with an in-person audience. Um, so we've sort of pulled that apart from our actual space, which I think, you know, feels different to different folks. Um, you know, I, I get the questions all the time of like, well, when are you back? And it's like, well, technically, we've never been gone. Um, this, you know, Walden as an in-person project will mean for us that we have never been dark in our 30 years because every season we produced a live in-person project. Um, and when we, when we selected Walden, it was back when everything that we were going to share this year was going to be digital. Um, but when we started to sort of see how things could be and also sort of using our past experience of last summer while we were really still in the, in the depths of COVID and sort of recognizing that folks were coming outside more, um, that, that there was a movement to sort of get out of the house. We sort of knew we wanted to pivot Walden to uh, a live performance. And so fortunately, <laughs> Jackie, you haven't had to deal with the, uh, the mask right. thing because, because masks outdoors is, is, is definitely different. Um, yes. But you're right. There's a lot of sort of um, projection you have to do um, in this time. And I suspect that will continue for the next year to a certain degree as we sort of move out of full on pandemic lockdown mode into whatever this um, new time will be. Can you talk a little bit more about Walden and how it's um, going to be outdoors, it's more immersive, and a little bit about, about the, the, the characters in this performance? Sure. Um, so Walden is set in the not-so-distant future in a cabin in the woods, and so we decided while we can't actually take us into the future, we can surely take ourselves out into the woods. And so we're collaborating with um, the Riverfront Recapture and and producing this piece uh, on a plot of land that they've recently acquired. Um, and TheaterWorks, our aesthetic has always been about intimacy and about um, stories that typically are small casts. So it's a three-person cast. Uh, it follows two, a NASA um, sort of, uh, one of them is a NASA architect, one of them wanted to be, um, and some things came up. And then 
an, uh, an earth advocate. Um, the world has become inhospitable and NASA is setting up to colonize uh, Mars, but there's a cohort of um, humans who are desperately trying to revive and survive on planet earth. And so that's where we, we meet our, our, our characters as they sort of decide what, where they want to be and how they want to live, both actually physically, is it going to be here on earth or someplace else? Um, but also the sort of uh, really, no, I, I don't say normal, although it is, but sort of typical for us um, family story, intimate story about relationship and, and the ways we take care of each other or not um, in pursuit of our own dreams um, and uh, maybe in, in denial of, of others. That sounds really interesting. And that's opening at the is it end of July? It's opening at the end of the July, July 28th. And I guess one more thing I should add, you know, in addition to being on the site and really, you know, our audience being in the world of this play without any uh, barrier um, of a building, but actually being there on the homestead, you know, we're, we're building there's going to be a chicken coop with chickens and um, uh, garden beds and, and compost pile. You know, the director, Mayan Tao, she really wanted to make sure that what she was leaving behind to our audiences as they watched the show was the map of how they could live in this way if they so chose. Um, so, you know, there's that piece to it, but it's also because we're outside, they've made the choice to uh, put all of the audience in um, head headsets and headphones. Um, so this allows you to hear the, the actors very intimately, but also like a film um, when, you know, a fly comes in from the window when you hear it coming into your right ear as it lands on the table, you know, we can play with some of those things, the, the, the pouring of wine, the chopping of onions as they're making dinner. Um, again, you know, we some of this is uh, talks about Mars. So, what does it mean to get a kind of otherworldly sound and feel? So it's a sound immersive project, which is a kind of innovation that we would never have stepped into if we were in our own space um, that we're really excited. So it's, it's, it's a really, really exciting project. It's a really exciting team. And, and we're, we're thrilled to sort of be back and to really embrace what it means to be back in a new way. Mm-hmm. You're hearing Tanisha Dugan again, artistic producer at TheaterWorks Hartford. With us also Jackie Hubbard, executive artistic director at Ivoryton Playhouse, as we talk about how local theater um, are beginning their summer season. Some are opening doors. Uh, others, like Tanisha, uh, talking about TheaterWorks and this immersive experience uh, along the river with uh, the performance Walden opening at the end of July. We want to hear from you. What have you missed about seeing theater with an audience in a building? You can join us, 888 888- 720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. So Tanisha, what conversations is TheaterWorks having about when it's time to, to have a show, a performance in your building in Hartford? So, you know, we anticipate being back in the fall um, and semi-replicating um, our season of, of past. I think one of the things we've learned um in this time is how do we take care of ourselves um, as we were sort of working through our anti-racist practices and realizing like while it also ha- while it also very much has to do with uh, centering black and, and brown um, perspectives as we understand how to like move forward part of doing that is going wait a second has the way we've been working been 
oppressive to us. Um, and and recognizing we have the power to shift that. Um, so still, you know, wanting to provide audiences and and in the Connecticut region with um, an abundance of, of off- offerings, but also being really honest with ourselves about where we are stretching our capacity too thin. So I think we found a really um, excellent balance um, in terms of the number of, of in-person shows in our theater. And we're gonna continue doing our digital because we've learned that the access to new audience, uh, audience that find the building um, oppressive for whatever reason, audiences that, um, are still navigating whether or not they're they're true quote unquote theater goers. Um, we're going to continue with our digital programming. It also has been really fantastic for us as it, as it relates to new work development. I mean, getting to to have the best actors in the country or world come and and support a playwright in a brand new work has really been transformative. And so we're going to continue um, developing new works in the digital space in addition to digital productions, uh, much like what folks saw with Russian Troll Farms, but we're, Russian Troll Farm, excuse me, but we're realizing that there are many ways to produce digitally. There are many artists who are really committed to this work. Um, and so you may, may or may not have seen Russian Troll Farm, but I think what we're learning is that that's not the only way to make digital theater. And that there's a whole cohort of, of young, fresh, new artists who are excited by the medium um, and the way it can reach audiences far broader than we could ever get into our, our space. And so that's sort of where we're looking at both. Yeah, coming back to our building, absolutely coming back in the fall, um, but maintaining some of the things we've learned um, in our time away. Jackie, pick up on what Tanisha was saying about in this last year and a half, this desire to take better care of staff, the theater families mm-hmm. uh, that you've nurtured for so many years. That's important to you. That is, honestly, Tanisha, that is exactly how we felt uh, during this year, the roller coaster ride of the year, that we weren't able to do um, digital content in the same way we did do some stuff. Uh, but we, what we did find very much was uh, how we had been overworking our set, stretching everybody mm-hmm. to the limit, everybody wearing four or five hats. And I think that comes, that's a historical thing with theater. We just roll up our sleeves and do it. Oh, you need somebody, we need help building this. So you know, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll take that on. And the more you do that, you more you realize you probably have an organization that needs, I don't know, 25 people and there's 10 of you doing it. <laughs> yeah. So um, so this year definitely has done that with us. And, you know, not for nothing, but we're not getting any younger. At house. And it's like, should I really be doing all of these things? What, you know, let's take the time to see what it really requires to run this place. And mm-hmm. um, we were doing eight productions a year, seven professional and one big community piece. And mm-hmm. one of the big decisions to come out of this year is, go- is going forward. So we've already started planning 2022. Mm-hmm. We will have six, six productions. Six is probably manageable for us. We will do longer runs. That has always been a risk. And, and I think that risk comes from this crazy thing when I started running year round, which was I think 2006, around that time, the play, ha- the Abington Playhouse had been a summer theater since 1930. And everyone said there was no audience for the spring, the fall, the winter. Nobody will come. Well, 
they have been coming. And so why am I just dangling little two and three week runs? Let's do it. Let's try this. You know, we've been doing it now for long enough that we know we have an audience out there. So longer runs, more thoughtful theater. Let's not, um, let's not think our audience can't uh, take on the meat Mm -hmm. of a show that maybe I've been hesitant to do because I didn't want to scare them off. But I think we, I think we all in theater have thought about this a lot and thought about why are we doing this? What, what stories do we want to share with our audience? Of course, we want to make people feel better. We want to enlighten them. We want to enrich their lives. But, uh, you know, people are ready to think about things people are ready to take on some questions and um but our first show of course i have gone with as light and funny and zany as possible because i needed to people to feel comfortable coming back into a building because you know we are asking them to come back into a theater so we just have something fun so at the end of it they can say I shared a moment of laughter, of music, of silliness with a bunch of people, and it was safe, and I feel good, and I'll come back. And um, so that's what we're doing. Your first show opening July 8th, Murder for Two. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's um, how to cram, you know, a hundred things into one show. It is a (laughs) murder mystery musical comedy and two very talented musician actors, Ian Lowe and Joe Kenosian, who also wrote the piece, actually. And it is um, it's zany, madcap farce, uh, Agatha Christie style. And it's a lot of fun. They both are very talented musicians, so they both play the piano. Ian plays the detective. Joe plays 13 suspects, and he's a bit of a magician in his ability to do that with no costume changes or, you know, simply physically with his body. And uh, I think that anybody who's hesitant about coming into a theater, this is the kind of show that's just going to make them relax have fun, enjoy themselves and think, you know what, I can do this. I'm ready for live theater. When you're thinking about a smaller show with a smaller cast, uh, this also follows what you've been, the guidance you've been getting from the uh, Actors' Equity Association Union, how to make it safe? Yes, we do. I mean, that was a big uh, uh, decision-making factor in the shows that we could choose this year because I don't have a lot of housing and we still, we couldn't have actors sharing a space. So uh, we kept this season, it's two and three characters. That was as much as we could do. Um, And the guidelines when we set this out were so very stringent, it was impossible for us to plan for anything bigger than that. Um, But I think it's okay. I think that um, actually, in in a way, the audience will like that. It does. It is an intimate show and an intimate experience so that, uh, you know, for a little theater like the Playhouse, sometimes it's fun to do these great big musicals and reduce them down onto a small stage. But I think this year we're also tentative going back. I think these small shows are um, are the way to go. And we've managed to, I mean, we're also doing the Delaney Sisters Having Our Say, which Hartford Stage did several years ago. And it's a wonderful piece. 
And we had talked about it for a while. And it just is a it's a, a beautiful show for us at this time and only two characters. And um, we're also going to do a mu new musical uh, that features an Asian-American fiddle player and her story in the world of bluegrass and country music, which is another, you know, fascinating little gem of a piece that uh, I possibly wouldn't have thought about when we were producing a big season, because I'm always thinking about what will sell and how many tickets, you know, how many people we can get in to see this and does it have broad appeal? But because of this last year off, we've been able to be a little thoughtful maybe about, you know, the stuff that's out there and a little encouraging uh, with new, new works because we don't have the same demographics that theater works as I'm so looking forward to your Walden. I have to say that's just <laughs> fascinating to me. I'd love, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that. But um, you know, we exactly. don't, we have, we are restricted mm -hmm. to the building. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And you've got quite an extensive reopening plan on your website uh, for patrons and members of the community who, if they have any anxiety about all the planning that's taking place to keep both yeah. your staff and your uh, patrons safe. And I was really impressed yes. when, I, when I read through that. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, you said something about, you know, this 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 year of having a little more time to think more thoughtfully about um, particular productions you might not have thought about um, in the past. Earlier, you shared the anecdote that uh, a theater goer, you know, didn't want to have to wear a mask when mm -hmm. he or she is in your building. And you know, being called yes. names because of this. Yes. But how do you think? How do you think your longtime patrons, your longtime supporters, will feel about uh, maybe some of these productions that you're thinking about putting on that you know maybe aren't considered traditional or what they have come to expect from Ivoryton? How do you respond to those kinds yeah, of critiques? Yeah. So we have tried. Look, we're very small, so we um, try to keep a lot of um, personal contact with our subscribers. We have about a thousand, so it's a lot of person. Well, actually, we I think we had two thousand at the beginning of the pandemic, but it's a lot of people to talk to. But we try to talk to as many as possible, and you're always going to get people who don't like what you do. But on the whole, when you and I don't, I'm sure Tanisha has found this too. When you support a theater for long enough, you support their mission, and if their mission includes trying new things or trying to engage new audiences, then they will support you as long as they feel listened to and cared for. Part of the COVID rules and that we put on our website was to let people know that their safety is our primary concern. You have to feel safe coming into our building. We've had all the duct work, we've had so much work done on our ventilation system. We had to hire a COVID compliance officer who is going to be at every show to make sure that people are safe. Um, these are all new things for a theater. These were never things we had to think about in the past, but being forced into thinking about it made us think about our audience safety and about their comfort level in coming. And yes, there's, of course, we know in the world at large, there's a huge divisive community on wearing masks and not wearing masks. And of course, it's going to happen in microcosm in our audience. But I, I can't help that. I can just tell people that we're, we're doing what we can to make sure that people are safe. Um, and when the union stops requiring it, I will still say, if you feel, if you don't feel safe, wear a mask, because that's, 
it's your safety that's paramount. Um, so it's, uh, I know it's going to be interesting. And I know that opening up, we're going to have all kinds of people come. And some people won't come because of that. I've already heard from people who said, we will not be coming to your theater when you, while you have a mask requirement. And, um, you know, that's, there, there is not much I can do about that except to say, well, you know, I'm sorry and uh, we'll miss you. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're talking to theater makers in our state. You just heard Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Also with us on Zoom, Tanisha Dugan, Artistic Producer at TheaterWorks Hartford. We're going to continue talking after the break, and we want to hear from you. We just heard about some new productions that uh, Tanisha and Jackie are thinking about in this year when social justice was so prominently highlighted. Theater is back, but back for whom? We'll talk more about these efforts to tell more diverse stories for my for more diverse audiences and you can join us too 888-720-9677 that's 888-720-WMPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're catching up with local theater makers today. It's an update from a show we did in October about making art during the pandemic. One of the things we talked about was what we lose when we can't experience theater together in person. Now with most pandemic restrictions lifted in Connecticut and more than 2 million residents in our state fully vaccinated against COVID, some theaters are welcoming patrons back into their buildings for the summer season. Are you excited to see a theater performance in person? We want to hear from you, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. With us on Zoom today is Tanisha Dugan, Artistic Producer at TheaterWorks in Hartford, and Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Now, earlier, we talked about ways communities have supported their local theaters through the pandemic. And joining us now on the phone is a longtime patron of Ivoryton Playhouse, Anne Bishop. Anne, are you there? I am. Thank you for Good joining morning. us. So can you hear I know me? I can hear you. Now tell me how you've been able to continue supporting Ivoryton even when uh, the, the theater was dark. Well, uh, the way we continue to do it uh, is this time round we were able to uh, give our tickets back uh, a small dabble to help uh, Jackie and her extraordinary crew uh, keep going through what could be a very uh, a very very diff- difficult and discouraging time but they just mustered their strength and kept going thank God and we donate to uh, the theater and we try to spread the good word and encourage. Uh, people to go. It's an extraordinary gift. It's a jewel in the crown here on the shoreline. So how are you feeling? Murder for Two opening July 8th? How excited are you? I can't wait. Uh, I I can't imagine somebody playing, I think it's 13 parts, and the two of them uh, ultimately singing piano. I, I just think it's going to be fantastic. 
Earlier, I was telling Jackie that uh, she and her staff have put so much effort into thinking about how to make reopening safe for both the crew, the staff, uh, for community members coming into the building. But she's also getting pushback from people who are still upset that they may have to wear a mask while watching a show. How do you respond to that? Well, I would just encourage them uh, to to not be discouraged by a mask. I mean, a mask is no big deal. And I think it's even more important that Jackie and her uh, team want to make sure that everybody's safe. Uh, so I would say wear the mask. You don't have to, but wear it and don't not come uh, because that that offering is not even a rule and get vaccinated. <laughs> I like that, Anne. No big deal, right? To wear a mask and still be able to oh, sit with just, people. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, a wonderful experience and so needed uh, always. Um, I was lucky enough to work in the arts for a while and it, it's, it's effect on your spirit and your mind and, uh, just the people sitting next door to you, uh, no pun intended, next seat, not even next seat, <laughs> excuse me, spaced seats, uh, is a real joy. And I, I really encourage people to go. Well, Anne, thank you for calling in from Centerbrook, a longtime patron of Ivoryton. Jackie, that must make you feel good that you have community members that have your back that uh, want to see the Ivoryton continue and will do anything possible to make that happen. It really does. I mean, it honestly brings home just why we do this. You know, I mean, you can sit at home and read a book or watch Netflix, but there is nothing like all getting together to share a story. And, you know, the um, it's almost like your heart start to beat in rhythm together. You know, the breathing sort of settles in a rhythm together. And and we're, we're not meant to be isolated creatures. We're meant to be a community. We all share the same atoms, you know? So being in that room, it's a tiny little thing. I know it's not earth shattering or world changing, but it's that little moment of spirit lifting and connecting that makes it all worthwhile. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, having the community back together. I, there won't be a dry eye in the house next Thursday, I'll tell you that. The stage manager has already said, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get out places, please. So <laughs> it's, um, it's going to be an emotional night. And we know some of the bigger theater venues in our state uh, aren't opening until later this fall, like the Bushnell and Hartford Stage and the Schubert. Uh, Tanisha, part of uh, this pandemic for so many people, not only in theater, but other uh, other work lines of work and, and passion, is that they've had to um, be furloughed or they maybe have lost work. And I'm wondering how you, know, you and your staff have gotten through this time. Um. So we, I'm going to answer that quickly, but then I'm going to go back because sometimes the things I learned from the two of you is really foundational for me that I want to like speak it out. Um, but we were, we were, um, because of the way we, we pivoted, we brought back the majority of our team um, in the fall of 2020 and have been um, like that for some time. Um you know, we're a company that we own our building. Um, you know, we definitely had to make some shrewd and, and specific choices um, to be able to do that. Um, but we have had 
most of our team um, back since the fall. Um, but I want to sort of go back to something that um, Jackie said, because I think, Jackie, you do do earth shattering work, right? And I think we do earth shattering work. We do earth changing work if we do it right. And I think, you know, what you two have made me think, and I've, it's been sort of buried in my brain, is this idea of connection and catharsis. Like, that is what our job is. Um, and if we do it right, we build empathetic, um, thoughtful, to use your word, Jackie, um, critically minded communities that actually will do the work of changing the world, right? And that and that breathing together that you speak of and that and that heartbeat com combining as one and the tension that we build through laughter and joy and also um, tragedy and, and, and pain and, and um, you know, really giving folks the opportunity to not only see the full expression of humanity, but also to experience it themselves with other humans. I mean, it's, 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 it is the key to folks eventually not coming to us and saying, I refuse to do this thing that is essentially important for the public good, right? Because I've sat right. in community with these people and I recognize that I have a responsibility, not just to myself, but to the people with whom I shared a heartbeat, with people who, with whom I've shared a breath. And so yeah. I think we're coming to understanding the true gravity of theater making, storytelling, and, and gathering. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the foreplay of not ha being able to do it will provide that cathartic release Jackie's talking about for her team mm -hmm. on Thursday and for that audience on Thursday. And now our job is to continue to replicate that in the performances, night after night, show after show, season after season, so we can do our part in, in creating a world that we want to live in and not just talk about it and say we see it and we know what it looks like, but actively engage in in the kind of community building that we do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Tanisha. Yes. <laughs> we heard Tanisha talking about the importance of not leaving the new audiences behind uh, as uh, theater venues are able to open back up and, and have um, fuller seasons uh, down the road. Uh, Jackie, what have you been doing in Ivington to get the new audiences engaged and to not leave them behind? Well, we're just starting. So um, I have, so this past year, I I've been meeting a lot of new people because along the shoreline, I'm sure you've noticed with skyrocketing real estate, is that a lot of people from the cities have moved here and we do have a changing demographic. We have a lot of young people who've moved here from the city, from, I met couples from Hoboken, from Philly, from New York, who have, um, who work from home. They don't need to live in a city anymore. So I've been spending a lot of time um, speaking and finding out, you know, what they like to do, where did they go, what shows did they see, and it is going to impact. I can only say that I have started to work on next season, but there's a, a couple of shows I thought about, and I thought, well, maybe we'll give it a try. Maybe I can Every year we've tried to do something to bring in a, a younger demographic. And sometimes it did alienate the older crowd, rent specifically, <laughs> alienated a lot of people. But um, I think it's time to let that, I don't know. I feel like COVID affected a lot of us in this. It's 
just time to let some of those things go and move where you want to move, where you feel is the right direction for the theater to move in. It may not be radical change. It's probably a gradual change, but it definitely has taken away some of those restrictions on me that I thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, that, that's that gone now. Maybe it is time to start thinking about, um, you know, new, more new works, more stuff that will appeal to uh, a younger generation. And by younger, I mean under 50. <laughs> so, so that's my demographic. <laughs> It's You're ours Jackie. too. I mean, it's theater. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You're hearing Jackie Hubbard, executive artistic director at Ivoryton Playhouse, and Tanisha Dugan, artistic producer at Theater Works in Hartford, as we talk about how local theater has adapted and how they're approaching this summer season. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from a small but tenacious all volunteer theater in Ridgefield about uh, their season coming up. You can join us too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. After more than a year of restrictions, beaches are filling up, restaurants are getting booked, students have signed off Zoom school. One group cannot easily return to life pre-pandemic. They're COVID long haulers. Coming up on Monday, we're going to hear from physicians about new therapies at COVID recovery clinics and the promise of repurposed drugs. We hope you can join us. Now, today we've been talking about theater maker, theater and talking to the theater makers in our state about their summer seasons, how they're shaping up, lessons learned from a year and a half of the pandemic. Uh, joining us now on Zoom is Pam Jones, executive director of the Ridgefield Theater Barn. Pam, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I described the, uh, your theater as a small, all-volunteer theater. I understand it's literally in a converted dairy barn in Richfield? It is. The theater barn is in a converted dairy barn down here. But we do have, um, you know, heat, electricity, bathrooms, air conditioning, all of those wonderful conveniences of life. And um, we are a community theater. We are a volunteer theater, but we do have a staff of five here. I do want to make, you know, make sure you know that. <laughs> and so tell us what we were doing during the pandemic to stay engaged with your community. Well, you know, for us, um, we're community theater and we quickly realized that if the theater part of our um, identity was gone, then the community part needed to really um, become the shining star here. So we, I just said one day to my board of directors, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go sit on the stage under the ghost light and, and just do a live show on Wednesday and Saturday night and talk to the community about what's going on. In the beginning, there was you know, so much information to be disseminated as, um, you know, where you could even get tested or what you should even do, um, you know, in every town. It was no different here in Ridgefield. So I started sitting under the ghost light, which, um, uh, you know, most theater people know that the ghost light goes out when the stage goes dark at the end of a show. Um, and the ghost light was on all around the world. And it, it quickly became um, a, a sort of organic groundswell for us to co connect with the community and um, we quickly uh, turned it over to the community and invited them to steal the ghost light and um, submit to us different sort of uh, creative things that they wanted to share 
with people in it. And it was really, really successful for us and, and um, charming and, and moving and funny and, and all of those great things. And now the summer season's before you and on your website, you're pretty clear that you've announced your summer schedule. What's it going to look like for you? Well, we are in the middle of our first real run. We did do a um, one-man Christmas carol, um, a wonderful adaptation by Patrick Spadaccino, where he played, you know, 27 characters on stage um, to very small audiences at the holidays. Um, but this evening of one acts that we started on June 11th was the production that we literally shut down on March 13th, the dress rehearsal um before it went on stage so we reorganized it a little bit uh shortened it we're presenting it without an intermission to a 50 percent capacity house and that runs through um july 10th um and that run is uh, sold out for us we just released the last few tables um yesterday so i think there's three tables left for that run then we're doing another evening of one acts all by one playwright by the great Jack Neary, and that's going to run August 13th through 22nd. We're going to have our resident improv troupe back on the stage on August 7th. And then on August 28th, we will have our free concert for the community here in beautiful Ballard Park in Ridgefield, Connecticut, which is uh, was a big pivot for us. We've never done outdoor musical concerts, um, but it was such a rousing success last year. We've actually added that to our um, annual offerings. And then our season starts in September, runs through July, and our first offering is gonna be The Exonerated, um, the amazing Pulitzer Prize winning play, which was going to be our offering um, during this time slot, uh, but obviously we had to change all of that. And we just can't believe that the, the, um, the fates, it's the perfect piece to open with. We know it's not lighthearted, but with all of the other um, movements and calls to social justice that happened during the pandemic, um, the exonerated is just a, a wonderful, perfect offering for us to um, launch our official season opening in September. Mm. Sounds like a great schedule uh, before you at Ridgefield Theatre Barn. You're hearing on Zoom Pam Jones, Executive Director of the Ridgefield Theatre Barn. I want to take a quick call. Bettina's calling in from Madison. Hi, Bettina. Hi, how are you, Lucy? I'm doing well. What did you want to share? I'm just thrilled that when I put on NPR this morning, which I do when I'm working, um, that Ivory Theatre was going to be reopening again. And I have their card sitting on the dining room table, and I'm going to call up and, and book for both both of their shows. I'm thrilled. I'm just like, so excited going back. It's a wonderful theater to go to. And I have friends, did, I think, who will also be interested in coming. Bettina, what did you miss the most? I, I think it's the ambiance in that theater that is so fantastic, and just a little community theater and a place where you can go and have a laugh on before and just hop in there and everybody in a, a great mood in a small town and it's it's just it's perfect and i think people from new york city will and the other places that are coming to live with us um will enjoy it as well i think there'll be a good crowd this year mm. jackie did you want to respond to bettina thank you bettina i can't wait to see you there give me a shout out give me a wave i'm going to try and be at every show because i'm just so desperately happy to be back too 
Wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Bettina. I wanted to Thank go you. back to Pam. Uh, when we, I was talking with Jackie and Tanisha earlier, uh, Jackie especially mentioning uh, the Actors Union and how uh, it's been advocating for certain safety precautions. Uh, and I know, again, the Ridgefield Theater Barn, you have a lot of volunteers uh, at your shop. And how do you talk about the conversations of keeping people safe uh, as well as uh, in the community? Well, we've tried to be really transparent, you know, throughout the whole process. We um, we also had a, uh, we don't own our building, we rent it from the town, but we do, um, you know, all of our own, everything within the walls. We had the HVAC system overhauled. We had the entire building cleaned from top to bottom and um, including um, uh, COVID, um, a couple of COVID mistings of the building where, um, put an extra layer of protection. We purchased a cold ULV fogger and we put everything on the website, everything that we're doing. When it got to be time to reopen, um, we did ask that anyone who wants to work with us, of course, we don't um, work exclusively with the unions. We have a lot of volunteers, as you said. Um, we have asked that they all be vaccinated if they want to work with us in any capacity. Um, and have just tried to be very, very um, open about it. Overwhelmingly, the response here has been um, positive. People are excited to get back here into the theater. But I, I have to say that one of the things I, I thought about and we talked a lot at the board level was, you know, how are we going to equip our volunteers who are here to greet and um, be ushers and work with our patrons um, for you know, those situations that might occur, like Jackie spoke of, where we might get some um, pushback. I'd love to believe that down here in, you know, Ridgefield and Fairfield County, that um, everybody is going to be coming along with the mask mandates or whatever the rules are um, at the time when we're all reopening. But that, you know, that was a concern, putting our people on the front line and, um, and having to perhaps deal with some pushback. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just hearing from community and seeing how they'll react. Uh, but at the same time, we've been doing this now for a year and a half. Uh, as uh, our earlier caller said, uh, mass, no big deal. Um, I wanted to, to close with uh, Tanisha Dugan. Uh, again, there's so much energy and uh, positivity uh, from not only the callers, but from each of you about uh, the future. Uh, Tanisha, what do you want to see? Um, what does this mean for theater? as we move forward, uh, even past the fall, about uh, the kind of art that we can experience together? Well, you know, I think Pam and her team are onto something, um, thinking about their work um, with their ghost light project in the earlier times and, and passing the ghost light to the community and really re-engaging with their community as they're telling these stories. I mean, that you know, I think I, I want to follow in her pathway, right? Because this, it all started with us telling stories around a fire. We all had to get together. We had to pass the mic, not just to the best singer in the in the community, but um, to to the storyteller who had something important to share with us that may not have the uh, the the voice, the big voice to share it, but that we just had to listen a little closer. Um, so I think I think that that to me feels like. The, the takeaway, right, is that we were isolated for so long away from our community, um, innovative things like what Pam, Pam and her team were doing, um, 
calling everybody on the phone, like Jackie and her team were doing. Um, those are the pieces that I that I take away as I think about what the future means um, for not only me as a theater maker or the company that I work for, but for the industry at large. How do we how do we center our community? How do we connect personally and individually? How do we model that connection and then share it out? Um, how do we engage in the stories that matter um, through radical joy and, and radical transformation? Mm. Well, I want to thank Tanisha Dugan again for joining us, uh, artistic producer at Theater Works in Hartford. Walden sounds amazing. I got to get my tickets. Thank you, Tanisha, for your time <laughs> today. I really appreciate it. Uh, um, pleasure to be with you again. Jackie, you know, I adore you and I can't wait to get down to Ivoryton. I've got to yeah. get my little booty down to Ridgefield because you guys seem to be doing amazing things. Thank you, Tanisha. Uh, Pam Jones was here from the Ridgefield Theater Bar and she's executive director there. Pam, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. And right back at you too, ladies. I can't wait to get back and seeing all the great theater. And Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivory Tim Playhouse. A pleasure always, Jackie, to hear from you. Uh, break a leg <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> and I hope you can make it down someday. I'd love to see you. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Robin Doyen Aiken with help from Matt Dwyer on the phones. Gina Amatruda was our technical producer today. We hope you have a great weekend. <laughs>